Before thee let my cry come near, O Lord, true to thy word, teach me before thee. We are thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through His Word. Let my lips thy praise confess, yea, of thy word my tongue would sing, Greetings this Lord's Day, the second week of Advent, in the name of Jesus Christ. Greetings. You know, unto every one of us, the scripture says, is given a measure of faith. One of the many things that we have to be thankful for this Lord's Day is often a gift we take for granted. It is our faith. Today, we can be thankful that God woke us up from the slumber of death with the light of faith. This great gift has given us sight, and through it we were made to see the goodness of God when we couldn't really see it at all without His help. There's so many around us, though, who are blind to the beauty that we see. Let us pray that God sends them the faith that they need uh, to live for Him. Amen? Amen. You know, when we meet lost people, they're, uh, they're no different than you. Uh, in, in the sense that they need Christ to help them see. And it's such a wonderful thing to be a part of them coming to the knowledge of God and praying for that opportunity to speak to them. The word that you speak, the Bible says, that hearing the word gives them what? Faith comes by hearing, hearing and hearing by the word of God. Abraham, uh, we're going to be talking about him today. And for us, when God gave us faith, we embarked on an amazing journey, just like him. We were, the journey that we're on is the future of what God is making us into and where he's taking us. You know, from that point, we begin to grow into what we will be like in heaven. Some of the guys were talking about this the other day. We were talking about heaven now. And kind of sounds like a book title or something. Uh, But we were like, you know, if God gives us faith and we have sight and we've been born and we're a new creature, we are beginning to be right now what we will be in heaven. So why not start living like we're in heaven together right now, loving each other, being kind to each other, not being petty. Wouldn't that be great if we could do that? If we could just live like, like we're going to live in heaven one day. Why don't we just start living that way right now? You know, David understood how God's work of sanctification Uh, is progressive and it takes time in our lives and through different trials he makes us new and so in psalm 66 hear his words as god calls us to worship david saying he said make a joyful noise unto god all ye lands and sing forth the honor of his name and make his praise glorious say unto god how terrible art thou in thy works thou 
through the greatness of thy power shall bring thine enemies to submit themselves unto thee. All the earth shall worship thee and shall sing unto thee and they shall sing thy name. Come and see the works of God. He is terrible in his doing toward the children of men. He turned the sea into dry land and they went through the flood on foot. And there did we rejoice in him. He rules us by his power forever. His eyes behold the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Oh, bless our God, ye people, and make the voice of his praise be heard. He holds the soul of our life, and he suffereth not our feet to be moved. For thou, O God, hast proved us, and he has tried us, even as silver is tried. Thou broughtest us into the net. Thou laid affliction upon our loins. Thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. We went through the fire and through the water, but you, O Lord, brought us there and in to a wealthy place. I will go into thy house with burnt offerings and I will pay thee my vows, which my lips have uttered and my mouth has spoken when I was in trouble. I will offer unto thee the burnt sacrifices of fatlings and incense of rams. And I will offer bullocks with goats and come and hear all ye that fear the Lord. And I will declare what hath he done for my soul. I cried unto him with my mouth and he was extolled with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But verily hath God heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you are great and you are merciful. And indeed, you try us. Lord, not to hurt us, not to anger us, but you try us as silver is tried. And Lord, we know that the fires that you send to try us are unpleasant. They are painful and difficult, but they bring forth a wonderful fruit in our lives. And I pray, Lord, today that as we look at the life of Abraham and we see in him the example of faith, Lord, that we would see ourselves and how that we indeed need to be tried. In Christ's name we pray and all the church said, Amen. Amen. standing for just a moment as um, I read my text for you today from Genesis chapter 22 verses 1 through 9. There's a long span of the life of Abraham covered in scripture uh, and as our reading started in uh, chapter 12 today you can see in chapter 22 still talking about Abraham. <clears throat> Genesis 22 1 says this, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. And he said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up in the morning and he saddled his ass and he took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and he clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, abide here 
uh, and I and the young lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abram took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and they both went with them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and he said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together, and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Let us pray. Lord, we love you so much. And when we read this story, Lord, I hope that we hear in it and we look for ourselves in the story. I hope that we see what it is that you require of us and what you want from us and how you do love us and what is not needed from us and what is needed from us. And Lord, I pray, Lord, today as we go through this story that you would speak to our hearts and that you would change us by what we hear that we might be more like you. In Christ's name we pray. All the church said amen. 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 You may be seated. Warm it up in here, guys. All right. You know, it's hard to read a text like that and it's like it's a cliffhanger right god sends abraham with his son to the mountain and the text ends with he's got his son tied up he's got fire set he's got a knife in his hand and that's where the text kind of drops off that's that's a cliffhanger right now you guys being christian people and knowing your bible hopefully you know what happens abraham doesn't kill his son but the thing is at this point in our text Abraham doesn't know that. He doesn't know the end of the story. He only knows where he is and what God requires of him. And what got him to that place is really what I want to talk to you about today. Okay? Advent, obviously, in this season, we're going to focus on faith. And we're, we looked at hope last week. But when we look at faith, there's an aspect of faith I want to talk to you about. Biblical faith is a gift given to us by God. Okay, the Bible tells us this from the beginning of Scripture to the end. It is essential. Everybody say, faith is essential. We know the Bible says that without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith is not just saying, I believe there is a God. Faith is saying that if I serve God, I believe that God will reward me in my service and that there's something that is going to come from my faith. Faith is believing that what God says is true is true enough to where it affects what we do with everything. Okay? Everything we do is a matter of faith. Faith is both a noun and a verb. It is a gift given to us, but it causes us to do something. Faith is not faith that is merely a feeling or a way of thinking. It must be active. It is conceived in the heart, but it is born in what we do because of it. James so boldly put it this way, faith without works is 
dead being alone. How many want to have living faith? I do. And he wasn't trying to say there's dead faith and living faith. He's saying you don't have faith. If you, if you think faith is what you think, if you think faith is what you believe, and if those thoughts and those beliefs that you think you have don't bring about something in your hands and your feet, you don't have faith at all. He isn't saying that the works that you do earn you faith. He's saying you'll know you've got faith if you have works. Does that make sense? We don't earn anything from God. God doesn't need anything from us. God doesn't require things of us to prove things to him. Okay? What happens in us is proof of what God has done in us. Not the other way around. We get it backwards. Today, as we look at the life of Abraham, God's word tells us that he is the father of the faithful, the father of those who walk by faith and not by sight. The story of his life was given to us by God to help us understand faith. I mean, if God's word says he's the father of the faithful, don't you think maybe looking at his life might help us out in that regard? And it does. The story of his life is a wonderful lesson of the maturing of our faith, the purifying of our faith, and the end of our faith. Okay, if I were going to say three things. Now, I'm not good with three-point sermons, and I'm not going to preach a three-point sermon today, but it kind of came out like that. The story is a lesson of maturing our faith, purifying our faith, and the end of our faith. And if you take notes, don't write those down and think I'm going to cover those three points today, because that's just not how I preach. I did do this expositional preaching and thing. And I'm like, it's like, it's like, it's like having a pretty good golf swing and then going and having an instructor tell you how, and then after that, you can't even hit a ball. Okay. So I'm just going to preach the way I preach and I'm, I'm, I, I can't do the three points in a poem. I'm sorry. I uh, wish I could. All right. Although Abraham was certainly an old Testament patriarch, he is a prominent figure in the new Testament as well. I believe I counted 75 direct references to Abraham from Matthew all the way to 1 Peter where the last reference of him is made. In fact, Matthew 1.1 in the New Testament starts off this way. It says, this is the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Okay, 42 generations from Abraham, we come all the way to Christ. And this is how the very first uh, book written about Christ in the New Testament characterizes itself. So Abraham's pretty prominent, wouldn't you say? His life teaches us a lot of things. So, so much, there's no possible way we could cover a, a fraction of it today. But God made a covenant with him. God kept the covenant with him and all of his promises and did what Abraham could not do. He made his a holy nation out of him, out of his offspring, and he began something in Abraham that he brought to maturity. God began it and God brought it to maturity by the power of his spirit over a great deal of time. Okay. Now, one of the things that occurred to me, and you know, this is how God talks to your pastor. I was telling the men up here, I want to talk about Abraham, but there's so much to talk about. What could I, I mean, where, where, where do you want to start? And so I'm reading the whole thing and I'm praying for God to stop me and help me to get to a spot. And I get to this text of Genesis 22 and tears just start flowing from my eyes. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm at the right spot, you know. And so I'm here and I'm, re I'm reading this story. And this story is an agonizing story. This story, once again, and I know I say this from time to time, but this is a painful, horrible, terrible story that you will not want to be a part of. Could you even conceive of this, Tim? Could you conceive of taking Titus, wrapping him up, not telling your wife, not telling anyone, and taking him to a mountain with a knife in your hand, prepared to burn him after you kill him with a knife? Can you even comprehend that? 
I don't think anybody here could comprehend that. And folks, this was for real. This was going to happen. Our text, though, should not be the first text a person looks at when trying to understand faith. If you're trying to teach, you know, uh, TJ and little Bill about faith, we don't take them to Genesis 22 and go, all right, this is what faith is. Don't do that. Okay. When someone comes to Christ five minutes later, they're not told to take their son up on a mountaintop and kill him. Okay. This is not faith 101. Right. But it's like, we love sermons like that. I mean, you know, I'm going to do this. You know, I just, I, I know nothing about God. I've just come to the Lord. But you know what? I'm going to go straight to Genesis 22. This is the way we are. Genesis 22 came after a lifetime of living for God. It came after one thing, after another thing, after the other. My sermon is Abraham's mountaintop faith. And it's kind of a, a parody, really, because people talk about mountaintop faith. This kind of mountaintop faith. I don't think there are too many people that want that kind of faith. He's back there going, oh, I, don't, I don't know about that, right? I, I'm right there with you. I'm saying, oh, yeah, you know what? We're just going to take Shelby and we're going to take her out there. I mean, it's like, like, okay, okay, God, I want to be trusted. I want to grow. I don't, I don't really want to grow up that much. I, I, when I'm in heaven, I want to be that grown up, okay? But, like, don't, don't call me to do something like that because I'm going to fail. How many of you... You, some of you may be delusional enough to believe you would do something like this, okay? Some of you might go, yeah, you know what, I've been walking with God a long time, and you know what I mean, whatever he tells me to do, no matter how hard it is, no matter how difficult, I'm going to do that. And I, would, I could have been this guy. I mean, do you ever meet people like this? They're so stupid, they think they could have been this guy. Folks, I'm telling you, Abraham earned the title the father of the faithful because he reached a place that few men ever reach. Or even are called to reach, okay? My message isn't today. You need to be just like this and be prepared to burn your kid at the stake. This is not really the message today. The message is, is that this though is somewhere that God does take some men. And then the way Whitfield put it, it was kind of painful. But he said, you know, we think, honey, we think as we grow that we learn so much that we don't need the hard trials. But what you see in this story is that the hardest trial... The hardest trials sometimes come near the end of our lives. Because that's when we can deal with them. Because if they came in the beginning, we would not. We would fail. Genesis 22, Abraham takes his son to the mountain, the land of Moriah to be offered. Was not his first act of faith. Before this, when he was 75 years old, God called him to leave his homeland and the comfort of his extended family and just go. No destination on the map, no certain land with a name. And I can tell you right now, that wasn't Abraham's first act of faith either. I mean, when you read the story, and I know there's only so much uh, space in scripture, but it, there's no discussion. He tells Abraham to leave and he leaves. Do you think that was the first time he had talked to God? He doesn't go. It's not like with Samuel and, and Eli. Remember this? Samuel's like, what? Eli, did you call me? Because I heard like, I, it wasn't me. Go back to your room. You know, remember that? That's what happens when you like, God starts talking to you. You're like, what? Was that God? Like, I, you know, Abraham, God says, I need you to get up and leave your country. He's 75 years old. You think it's the first time God spoke to him? Remember I say, uh, Abraham did not talk to God for the, well, don't say it. Abraham did not talk to God for the first time here. 
in his life. And this was his, his, his moment of faith. He had been walking with God for a long time. And God says to him, get up out of the country where you are and leave. This was a serious thing to, to tell a man to do. Could you imagine, you know, I, I don't even, I, I can't imagine what it would be like, you know, to, to be the Goldsmith family, you know, that has relatives that have lived for more than generation in an area, you know. I would love, it'd be great to have my dad and my dad's dad and my dad's dad and my dad's dad. Wouldn't that be kind of neat? You know, the whole idea, I love, I love that they live on that land and it's in the family. Imagine, though, if you could count back. 20 generations to the story of Noah's flood, and they've all lived there. It'd be a little different, right? So now God's saying, all right, I know you're living on the family homestead. I know you're living with your uncles and your aunts and your cousins and your brothers, and I know you've got a name, and I know you've accumulated wealth. I know you have network and I, all that, but I need you to leave and go out there, out there where there are Canaanites and Hittites and Philistines and all this stuff, and there, I want you to go out there and just walk around with all your stuff. I, I, I can't even imagine this. But that's what he did. That's what people of faith do. They go where God says to go. And Abraham was a man of faith when God spoke to him. That's faith 101. That's what so many of you who are here have done. And I know that I'm in the midst of a people of faith. But that's not where God leaves us. He doesn't leave us at 101. He brings us and the scripture says he brings us through trials and tribulations and purifying and trying and testing and difficulty to take us somewhere that we're not he wants to take us um who was telling me about they just did the last battle was it you guys last night he takes us what further out and further in you remember that? Remember how the prophet described it? He said, he go out. And at first you're just in waters that are ankle deep. And, and then you're out and you're in waist deep. And then you're in waters to swim. It is a process that God brings you further up and further in to him. I'm sure it seemed like the most difficult thing he could imagine at the time when Abraham did this. But he was just getting started. In fact, he wasn't even Abraham then. He was just Abram. The Bible introduces us to Abram, first of all, by this different name in Genesis 11. He's at the end of a long list of names from Noah to Shem to Eber, from whom many scholars take the word, the word Hebrew comes from. They were called the Hebrew people because of his great, 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 great granddaddy, Eber. Eber is a word like Hebrew. Down through Peleg and several more names to, you know, Terah and Nahor. And finally, all the way to, to, to Abram. What's interesting, when we get to Abram, though, it doesn't just list the name of him. It names his wife, too. This is when you know a story is going to get interesting. They're naming man and man. They're like, so we got Abram and we got Sarai. The introduction to these two names, will, there will be a glimmer of what God wants to teach us today about faith. He and his wife, Sarai, will both have their names changed, just like his grandson, Jacob, will become Israel. He will go from Abram to becoming Abraham, and Sarai will become Sarah. Just even like, like Paul, he was Saul, but then he became Paul. He was Peter, but then Jesus calls him Cephas, the rock. Faith is not static. Faith changes us from one thing to another. Faith changes us from one person to another. It's not a one-time thing. It's a whole life process. It's very much like uh, a birth and very much like a life. Just like a child is born and grows over time and what it will be, our faith has a life. And our new life does the same thing. 
Hear the wise words of the first pastor of Jerusalem church, James, when he says this. He said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers, knowing this, that the trying of your worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Okay? James 1 uses this word perfect more than once. And it doesn't mean what you normally mean by when you say perfect it doesn't mean that you got it just right what it means is that your faith needs to be perfected it needs to be matured it needs to grow up when you come to God you are a child in the faith but God doesn't leave you a child he doesn't leave you with uh, faith uh, that is childlike he, he, he gives you the a faith of a child is not childlike okay the thing about childlike faith that God brings us to that's a grown-up place is that a child has a trust that is unquestioning in their parents oftentimes they're little and you know little thomas might say uh his dad says we're going to go somewhere and thomas is not going well wonder if he really will no he just that dad says we're going and so we're going that's just the way it works and so he has a childlike faith but that is not a small thing that's a big thing that's something we're working toward it's hard to be like that when God deals with us. It's hard to just go, oh yeah, that's what his word says. It's going to be that way. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and he's going to add everything to me. We don't start off like that. Sometimes we go, wonder if it's really going to work. I mean, I'm kind of scared. Like, well, what, what's going to happen if I do this? And this, I had, this happens to me all the time. Since I've been a pastor, I'm always dealing with people to obey God's word. And this, this always comes up. They're always like, well, what, but if I do? This thing that God's word says to do. And they tell me all the bad things are going to happen in their life. How many, how many of you have done this? You ever do this thing? You're confronted with God's word. What he wants you to do? And you go, well, if I do that, then all these bad things are going to happen. That's when the scripture applies. Let God be true and every man a liar. God, you know, we are not the, we are false prophets. I think my buddy John told me this. He goes, we're a bunch of false prophets. He goes, we're always prophesying what's going to happen if we do that thing that we can't do that God wants us to do. Because if we do, then, you know, my parents will never like us and they'll never come over to our house anymore. Or I'll lose all this or I, you know, I'll be homeless or whatever. We go through all the scenarios of all of why's we can't do what we know we ought to be doing. And we're wrong. Okay. So. James is saying, we should count it joy when we experience these difficulties. These difficulties are opportunities for what? To grow up. These are opportunities for our, to find out what kind of faith we have. And we go from having the faith that just leaves Haran and that just leaves his kindred to now faith that's having him do something so unthinkable we don't even want to talk about it. Some people, you know, I was talking to one family, was saying like, you know, the Bible's not very kid friendly. And I would say you might want to hit yourself in the head with a hammer because the Bible is the most kid-friendly, adult-friendly, Christian-friendly thing there is. It covers subjects we don't like. It covers things we think we're, we're afraid to talk about. But the Bible handles things, and it's a public document written out there for the people of God to be read and to be looked at. Don't protect your children from the Bible. Amen? Oh, but if they read about that, then this. Well have faith okay word of god brings faith in your life we don't protect them from the bible okay explaining further in james chapter 2 verse 17 he says even so faith if it doesn't have works is dead 
So part of the reason that we need our trials is we don't have an opportunity to show our faith. And so God brings us to a place where we have the opportunity. Here we are and we're standing at the Red Sea. What are we going to do? We're going to chicken out and go back to Egypt. What are we going to do? So we're there and we go, oh, this is terrible. And we're never going to make it and we're going to die. And, and you brought us out of here in the wilderness just to kill us. And, and it would have been better if we had just stayed. This is what we do inside. when we're, And instead of going, oh, wait a minute, I'm in an impossible situation. And I got here because I was obeying God. And now I'm in this impossible situation because I was obeying God. I, well, where's God? Where's he at? Where's he at? What's he going to do? What's he going to do in me right now? Instead, we're like, oh, no, I'm never going to make it. That's what we do. <laughs> Faith without works is dead being alone. And so when God brings us up into these seemingly impossible situations, but even if they are impossible, with God, all things are possible. You may say that you have faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works and I'll show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seeing thou how faith wrought with works, and by works was his faith made perfect. Now I'm not going to go into a big theological diatribe about what this means in particular. There's many implications, but there's one thing I'm wanting you to look at today. The scripture says that this action is what made his faith perfect. Everybody say, it made his faith perfect. Now, what did we just learn about what perfect means? Mature, right? So he's explaining, James is telling us that the process that brought Abraham's faith to maturity, that brought it to where God was going to take it. It's like your kids, you know, Big Val, we love Big Val, but Big Val is not at a place of maturity. What will happen? What will, will Val will be able to do when he is a mature man? A lot more, right? Right now, he's a good boy. He can obey his dad. He can help me clean up around the house. But can he have a wife and children yet? Not quite yet, okay? And, if he, and, and so he cannot produce for the next generation. He can't do that. He has not matured. And so we don't want to have faith that is stunted. We want a faith that is fruitful, Amen. And so in order for faith to go from child faith, 101 faith, to where God is taking us, which is the mountaintop faith, okay, mountaintop faith in the sense like we are almost too scared to have it. But when we, the way to get that is to be going through these things, one thing after another, they are the maturing process of God. Our good brother Peter, who was so childlike in his faith until he saw firsthand that he was a coward, and filled with pride, the trials changed him into a man of faith that could deliver the first message on the day of Pentecost for the church. He is, here's what he learned when he wrote this in his epistle, um, chapter 1, verse 6. He says, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Okay? All kinds of difficulties, all kinds of trials, multiplied, manifold, difficult. He says, why? Verse 7, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found under the praise and honor and the glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, who having not seen you love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, 
And here's the clincher, receiving the end of your faith. Everybody say the end of your faith. Even the salvation of your soul. See, what we're working for, we're in the beginning of our faith, but what are we working toward? We're working toward the, to the end. So he, the end of our faith is going to be our salvation. We're going to be in heaven, you know, and that's when God is going to be done perfecting our faith. You know, what we are being made into in heaven, the person we will be, and you might go, oh, well, we're just going to be floating around a bunch of clouds and all that. No, we're not. I mean, this earth is great, and all of the challenges that God puts in front of us is great, but what God's going to do in heaven is going to be so much more magnificent. There will be purpose. There will be challenges. There will be things to do in heaven. I believe it. I mean, what in the world would be, what it would be like, Steve, just, you know, we're going to float around and dream of checkers or something? I mean, I don't know. No, of course not. That's not, who enjoys that? That might be what you do in heaven. I'm not going to do that in heaven. Okay, I'm going to talk to people and I'm going to get to know people. I'm going to learn stuff. That's what I want. Okay. So receive the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Now, in Genesis 22, starting at the beginning, when it said it came to pass that God did tempt Abraham. I was telling me before, God does not tempt us. Okay, right. We know this. So this so because we know God doesn't tempt us to sin. We know that maybe this is may not be the best interpretation for the word. And so I looked it up. And it basically means a test uh, to be, to prove, you know, it's kind of like you, you, you've taught your child something and you're, you're wanting to prove if they're going to do it or not. Right. Christina, you tell, Hey, I want you to clean your room, you know, and you give them this thing that may be a little bit hard for them to do, but you're trying to say, what can I get them to do? What can, how can I help them? You know, uh, Gideon made oatmeal this week, you know, and I, I sent him in there. Here's what to do. You first, you get your pot, you know, and you put it on there and then you put some water in that thing. He can do it. He can make oatmeal, you know? Right? Maybe you can teach Benjamin how to do that. Um, <laughs> but you prove them and you try them and you put them in things. Oh, dad, I how many have given your kids something to do? He, you, you've done it. And they're like, I could never do this. It's impossible. They're ready to fall on the floor. Patrick, have you ever, have you ever done that? I can't do it, dad. Right? But one day your dad won't be there to clean your garage out for you. He won't be there to skin your deer for you and quarter it out. He won't be there. You're going to be have to be the man. And, or, and that's what he's wanting. He doesn't want to raise up so that when you're 50 years old, he's got to come over and skin your deer for you. He's got to come over and whoop your kids for you. Cause I, I don't know how to do that, dad. You know? No, he wants to raise you to the place where you can do that. Okay? So... These things are going to be done through tests. And, and, and so God did this on purpose. You know, what happened to Jesus? I, I think this is amazing. There's no way I have time to talk about this. But, but what happens to Jesus in Matthew chapter 4? The devil takes Jesus out to test him, to try him. In fact, they call it to tempt him is the way they say it. But He's proving him. Now, I don't understand if there was a fast forward grow up thing that happened in the life of Christ. I don't know. And this was hard for me to grapple with emotionally. Like, it's hard for me to understand that Jesus had, but, but he had to learn to read, did he not? He had to read the scriptures. Oh, he was God. He knew all that. I, I really don't think so. The Bible says he had to learn obedience. This was part of his life. So he learned obedience and he had to learn to do all the stuff you do. He had to learn to read. He had to learn to read the scriptures. He had to learn to, to, he had to memorize the scriptures and love them. You go, well, that's hard for me to grapple with. I know it's kind of hard for me too. But then when you get to Matthew 4 and he sends him out there to be tempted of the devil in the desert during his fasting period for 40 days, the devil's doing things to him 
I don't think we could survive. Could you imagine, Steve? He takes it up and says, we'll just give all this to you. It'll all be yours. You're like, holy mackerel. That would be pretty, you know, he could fly. And he's brought me up here. He's going to show me all the kingdoms of the world. And it's mine. And, and do this and do this and do this. You know, he's doing this. It is part of Christ Jesus in him facing trials and temptations himself. So if he even experienced these and it was part of God's plan... Do you think it might be part of God's plan for you to come face to face with difficult things, to be, to, to find yourself in the middle of a trial, to find yourself in an impossible place? So what? What's the point of it all? So your faith can grow up. You know, when people in the world experience difficulty, there's no point to it. It's just one hard thing. But when God sends difficulty, did you hear the psalm? Our call to worship, Psalm 66. He's like, I sent, he said, you sent our enemies to ride on top of our heads with their horses. I'm saying like, wow, you know. You sent these people and these trials and this famine. You know, God sends these difficult, and we don't like them. And we all like to attribute them, oh, well, these aren't God. These are, these are the bad things God helps us through. Folks, God is the sender of the bad things to us oftentimes. He's bringing them straight to us to prove us. When you find silver, they, they, they put fire under it and they burn it. You know, you guys have seen the purifying process of silver. It's right there in the scripture. It's what God does. That the trial of your faith, that, these, that the fires of these, the, these fiery trials that come upon you, think it not strange, right? Concerning the fiery trials that are going to come upon you. And so some strange things happen unto you. This is what God does to his people. Because he doesn't leave you, Jason, just like that. He takes you and he goes, all right, I got him here. We, I want him here. All right. So we, they bring this thing over and over and over again. And if you look at the life of Abraham, that's what you'll see. Over and over and over, opportunities to be a man of faith or to not be. So here he was. Take your son, your only son, who you love. Get to the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon the mountains, which I will tell thee of. If you can read this story and not find your knuckles gripping onto something and going, oh, God, have mercy, please don't do that to me. Then you're just you're just you're just doing your daily Bible reading. I would pray we would get to the place when we read the scripture that we are going. Oh, my goodness, Lord, are you going to require this of me? I'm trying to even imagine how to count this joy. How could you, how could this, how could you do that? And you might go, well, you know, Mark, you know, you, you need to be more spiritual. You know, even Jesus in his prayer said, if there's another way to do this, I don't want to do this. If there's another way, nevertheless, what does he say? Not my will, but thy be done. Let this cut pass for me. You know, this was rough. Jesus was in a trial there. Jesus was being faced with difficulty. You're going to have to be killed. You're going to have to bear the sin of the world. You're going to have to be uh, mocked and scourged. And you're going to have to descend into hell. Wow. Abraham's whole life had come to this point. He, God gives him a barren wife and tells him he's going to be the father of a nation. Who, who made Sarah barren? God did. 
And so he goes year after year, 25 years after God tells him this, still no kids. Could you imagine this? Jonathan and Ashley, you know, God, you, you know, you get married later in life. You think you're old, right? Are we ever going to have children? Imagine if you were 25 years from now, you were still wondering, what would that even be like, you know? And in 25 years, you're only going to be what? 50? How old are you, Jonathan? He doesn't even know. That's how old he is. He's, he's so old, he doesn't know. So God tells you that he's going to make a great nation out of your descendants, that you're going to own all of Mount Sterling. All the properties, all, the, all that your eyes can see from the water tower in Mount Sterling, you know. But it, you got to have a child. And he, after he gives you the child from your, your wife who's barren and in your old age, this boy grows up. And you live with him and you talk to him and you love this boy. And you see the promise fulfilled and you see the foolishness of your way. And you're disciplining him and you're teaching him and you're training him. And he's a good boy. I imagine taking Nathaniel. Nathaniel, I could just see him carrying the firewood. Can you, can you do this in your mind? He's walking with the firewood. How could he do that? You know, before that, it's Abraham is out there and he's getting the firewood. Could you, how, Michael, how could you chop wood? Knowing it was going to go under your son. Mercy. He's chopping the wood. He can't even go to his wife. And tell her about it because he knows she's not going to be able to abide this. There's no way. And he's bearing this alone. And he's carrying this. And he's walking with his son. And, he's, and his son is just the good son. He's not going, Dad, what do I got to carry the firewood, Dad? He's like, you know, it's like he's probably thinking, Hey, you know, me and Dad are going, we're, we're, we're going out. What are we going to, oh, we're going to worship, son. What would it do in your heart to see your son like that? I picture you, Nathaniel, and I'm there, and you're, and 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 then I just, hey, I'm gonna leave our servants here. Can you carry the wood, son? And Nathaniel's like, yeah, I'll carry it, Dad. I can't, I can't, I. Can't, there's no way. He gets him up there, and he even asks him about it. And then, you know, the next verse, he binds him. Can you imagine that? Binding your son. What, what are you doing, Dad? He's got to tie up his son. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't imagine that. This was God's doing though. This, do you know, do you know that to get there, there's a three day journey? Could you imagine walking that journey? I cannot. How many times during that journey, Michael, was he going, I, I, maybe God didn't talk to me. I don't, I, maybe I wasn't thinking right. Maybe I should have talked to my wife about this. This is why Abraham's the man that he is. Because he goes, he goes up there. His son's carrying the wood and he binds up his boy. Now I was telling the kids about this. I didn't know if I'd be able to tell you guys about it. But I'm going to tell you because it's, it's very interesting. They were digging over there in Ur, Andy, recently. And they found uh, this symbol of a god they have over there. And it was by this burial pit in Ur. And the symbol of this God is a very, Derek, I think you're going to like this. It's a very unique symbol. And anyone, uh, anyone that's had livestock is going to relate with this, okay? 
So they have over there in Ur, they have this burial pit and the symbol for a god. And it's a very, very weird symbol for a god. Okay, But if you understand the context that they lived in, they were living in a famine that had lasted 300 years. Okay, And the people there, a lot of people were dying of hunger and, and, and whatever. And the, they had these goats. And these goats, these rams that they had, they, they had these four horns. You guys ever seen Barbados sheep or horn? You ever see these, you know? And they got the, the four horns, right? How many of it, I've, I've owned lots and lots of goats. I know the Elliots have. I know some of you have. I know the Swayces have some goats. Goats are the greediest, hardest work. If, if, they, would, they will work all day to get one little blade of grass, you know, and they'll stick their head through. You guys ever seen this? I've gone out there and had to get their heads out of cattle panels and, and whatever, and, and I feel like almost kick them in the face to get them out because they're jammed all in there. They want that one piece of food, you know? They're like, ah, and their tongues go out. <laughs> oh, I can do a great goat sound. I can tell you that right now. But the symbol, though, Andy, for this God is amazing. It is of a goat like this that is climbing up a tree, okay? And he's on his tiptoes, and he's reached as high as he can reach in the tree. And he's trying to get that one little thing, and his horns get caught, and he's hung in the tree. And I guess in their time, people would be out in the, in the desert, and they would find these hanging goats in these trees all over the place because... During the time of famine, the, their horns were getting them stuck in the tree because they were trying to reach for this. And it, and, and it looked like the goats were reaching to heaven. And it became a symbol of heaven. You know, we're stretching and we're reaching. And then they, they were there. They were dead. They were hanging in the tree. And that became a symbol of their God. Isn't that amazing? And you know what they called it? They called it the ram in the thicket. You see where this is going? So Abraham has the knife in his hand and his son is bound. And folks, I'm telling you, he's going to do it. Hebrews tells us that Abraham was intent on doing it because he believed that God would even raise his son from the dead if he did kill him. This is... This is where he had gone in this life of faith through all of these trials and difficulties. They brought him to the point where he was so sure about God that he was willing to do it. Maybe it really wasn't as much of a struggle as I'm having with it because I'm not quite there. But there he was. And it says that the angel of the Lord grabbed his hand. I mean, God had to stop him. The angel of the Lord grabs his hand. I don't know, Steve, I don't know if he was already like, you know, an inch from his throat. I don't know, but I just, he obviously was committed to doing it. And he looks and he sees, and the angel stays his hand, tells him not to do it. And what does he see? He sees, he sees the ram in the thicket. It's, and, and I don't know, you know, I know this was a symbol during his time. So I don't want to make a big deal about it, you know, and get some crazy sermon going on. But here was a picture. Do you know what, the, do you know what they offered to that God? They offered their children to that God. And so when he saw that, it was God's message to him. I don't need you to kill your children. You don't need to do these things. I provide. See, faith is not about what you do, although you'll do it if you actually have faith. You see, and, and it's not about God setting you up to see if you're going to fail. God was setting him up to show him that he did have the faith. 
This trial was for him to show him. It wasn't for God. It wasn't like, now you've really proved you're loyal. And because of that, I got something really, really good for you. You know, God had already made the very promise he makes to him after this. He already made it back in, in, in uh, chapter 12 of Genesis. It's 10 chapters later. And he just reaffirms the thing that he told him in chapter 12. Was it going to be any more true? Was it going to be any harder? No. This, was a, this is an evidence of God's sovereignty and God's beauty. God had told him he was going to do it, and God did it. I think God lets us and brings us and puts us in places like that to show us what he's been doing in us. We see it, oh, his mountaintop faith. He really, 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 really believed. Wow, God's impressed. I don't think so. I think this was to impress Abraham about God. And I think if we see the story like that and we understand that God is doing this in our life and when we come to the next place, because it's coming, it's coming in your house, it's coming in my house, it's coming in this church, it's coming in this country, in this world that we live in. God is going to bring these things to us. And as they waited on the Lord, they waited by faith. Why? Faith that God gave them, right? And every one of us is given the measure of faith. That God, the trial of our faith, it, makes, it brings perfecting. And God is moving us along a path to maturity and fruitfulness in the church and in the kingdom of God. That is what God does. He that began a good work in you is able to completed he's able to bring it to fruition and maturity you know uh Heath, god is making a man of god out of you heath and what you weren't before when you came to god you will be and he will see to it through these kids and through your wife's difficulties and and whatever that you go through through dealing with your family through what god calls you he's going to make you into that that's god's work amen this is not a, a pharisaical approach to perfecting our faith by, you know, laying ourselves upon the fires of self-created trials. It is understanding that trials will come and they will come by the hand of God. And that when they come, we have to understand where they come from and who the one who brought the trial has the power to, with that trial, make us into something we could never be on our own. God is faithful. Amen? Amen. I'm going to end by reading this from Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out of a place where he should after receive for an inheritance, he obeyed. Everybody say, he obeyed. Amen. Obedience is hard. He went out not knowing whether he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him of the same promise. For he looked for a city. Everybody say, he looked. Okay, he obeyed and then he looked. That's what we do. We just keep, if you are looking, that's why he saw the, the ram. He was looking. If God's got my hand and he doesn't want me to do this, what does he want? And he looks. Aha. There it is. He looked. He looked for a city, though, who had foundations, whose builder and maker was God. Through faith, Sarah herself conceived strength and conceived seed and was delivered of a child when she was past her age because she judged him faithful. Everybody say, he was faithful. He was faithful. Who had promised. 
Therefore sprang there even one of him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky and the multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them. Everybody say they saw them. That's what our life is about. Our life is about we are looking for what God is doing and where he's going to take us. And the end of our faith is going to be the salvation of our souls. They died in faith, not having received them, but they saw them afar off. They were persuaded of them and they embraced them and they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. What Man, there's a great sermon. They saw them. They were persuaded of them. They embraced them and they confessed them. For they that say things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from where they came, they might have opportunity to have returned. But now they desired a better country that is heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. We see the picture of Christ, obviously, here. Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall all thy seed be called Verse 19, I'll close with this. And accounting that God was able. Everybody say, God was able. able. That's what faith is. Knowing and believing and acting as though God is able. God is able to raise him up even from the dead. From whence also he received him in a figure. He saw the symbol of the resurrection of this heathen God that devised Uh, children sacrifice for himself and he's like you know what god is i don't serve a god i've got to work for i serve a god who makes me work who does things in me i could never do that causes me to go where i would never go which gives me vision i could never have that's the god i serve not a god who needs me to prove myself to him but a god who proves me to me let's pray Heavenly Father, may the next trial that comes upon our horizons be seen in its proper light. May we boldly stand looking at it knowing that it has come from your hand and may we rejoice in that and look for you in it and what you're going to make us into being. Lord, we give ourselves to you in these things and in the future as we stand here now praying that what we will see is that you have given us mountaintop faith. In Christ's name we pray and all the church said, Amen. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.